Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. G'day, Mike Hussey here, but you can call me Mr. Supercoach. KFC Supercoach BBL is back and there's 25 grand up for grabs. So what are you waiting for? Play today at supercoach.com.au. T's and C's apply. New South Wales authorisation number TP slash 01005. We've got West Island's favourite Peter Fairburn joins us on the program. Peter, good, good evening. Welcome. It's probably good afternoon over there, is it? Mate, it's late afternoon here in uh, in beautiful Queensland. As I look out the window and the sun's shining, finally a little bit of respite from the rain we've had um, really all over the country over the last few days. And uh, we're back to being absolutely beautiful weather. And uh, I'm sure your mind might wander the same as mine at 4.30 on a Tuesday afternoon as, as where, uh, where the next hour or so of the afternoon might take me in terms of a knockoff drink or something of the sort. <laughs> it's funny, I used to uh, build up for the Hawaii Ironman back in my triathlon days and would spend long periods of time in Burley Heads there on the beachfront apartments and go sort of uh, enjoy both surf clubs and go down and swim in Miami pool in the morning or in the evening, ride out through Springbrook, a wonderful, wonderful part of the world. I'm very envious of your weather, Peter. Now, <laughs> um, I want to ask you a first up question. Um, Pat Cummins, uh, I mean, uh, I just see this guy's a complete and utter hypocrite nothing short of just virtue signalling hasn't thought this argument through um, what's the general consensus in Australia at the moment regarding Cummins and of course what we've also seen with the netball Yeah look it's a really interesting it's been a massive uh, conversation starter over here I think you know, most, most codes over here in some way shape or form um, have touch points with organisations which you know, people of different um, opinions could, could take offence with. I mean, we've seen even, as you guys have over the ditch, that people of Muslim faith haven't wanted to wear logos of banks or, um, you know, we've had the likes of Farwood Ahmed and uh, I think even Uzi Kawaja with the Brisbane Big Bash, um, Brisbane Heat team in, in the upcoming Big Bash are going to be sponsored by a small goods company, uh, Primo, and, and being a Muslim who doesn't eat pork, he's going to have a, a jersey without that on. And I think people are, for the most part, pretty understanding of that and understanding of, um, you know, people having some concerns on, on religious grounds and legitimate concerns based on, on strongly held faith, for example. Uh, we saw the, the Manly Seven uh, fiasco this year, which I think more than anything with their pride jersey, what came out loud and clear was really poor communication within that organisation, um, leaving players feeling like they had no choice but to boycott. And, and that obviously led to a, a seven-match winless streak that ultimately cost Des Hasler his job. So no one's... Uh, Talking, yeah, no one's underestimating the um, the impact that these types of conversations can have on athletes. But when it comes to um, you know, environmental and sustainability stances, um, yeah, I, I think there's certainly um, anecdotally less tolerance for that than there is for something like you know, a strong objection mm-hmm. on religious grounds. Because the reality is that um, you know so many of, of these these athletes who, who might want to um, call out you know a fossil fuel or an environmental company or something like that, um, you know, they're, they're playing a huge role and, and leaving a pretty enormous footprint um, you know, through the very nature of the work they do, the amount of travel they do, um, the amount of, of lights it takes to, to hold a night game and this sort of thing. So in the case of Pat Cummins, uh, the Aussie captain allegedly asked uh, Cricket Australia not to be included in 
any further TV commercials for Alinta Energy, the, the um, soon-to-be-departed um, major partner of Cricket Australia, um, due, to, due to objections over their sustainability practices. And uh, there's obviously you know, some suggestion that, that his um, refusal to take part in that has played a role in that agreement coming to an end. I think people are pretty concerned for a sport like netball um, that, that they've now lost out on a $15 million mm. sponsorship that based on market value was about four or 500% higher than market value and was really um, a donation designed to save that sport. And, and because of the way that um, those players have objected to um, you know, something that's a historical statement made by a, a now deceased, uh, member of family connected to them that that sport has missed out on a huge injection of, of mm. revenue. So look, I, I know it's a long answer, I know it's a convoluted answer to a degree. People are pretty uh, frustrated by athletes having so much say, um, particularly when you know the actual survival of their sport, such as the Netball Australia, is really coming into question. Yeah, look, I mean, I go through it. So you've got Australia itself, 58% of the global seaborne trade of coal, uh, most of it going to China, the largest um, emitters and the largest contributors to so-called global warming. Um, you know, how Australia itself, guilty of it. I mean, in my opinion, you know, if he's serious about this, Pat Cummins, just don't play for Australia because surely Australia itself is symbolic of part of the global problem. You you, you go and have a look in India, 7% of global emissions come out of India, more than happy to go and play in the IPL. I mean, this is this is the complete and utter hypocrisy that goes with so much of it. Looking at uh, Donnell Wallam, uh, the Aboriginal player, you know, if you're serious about this, you won't go to future Commonwealth Games because, let's be honest, it's Britain, it's England. They're ultimately the great oppressors, colonisation, the whole lot. I mean, this is what I don't think a lot of these athletes think about when they actually make these decisions. And what they're actually realising is, well, you guys are still going to get paid, but it's the it's the, it's the game below international level. It's the grassroots that ultimately is affected by their decision. And look, I, I wouldn't even say in the case of netball there's even a guarantee that, that they will get paid. I, I think one of the most overwhelmingly uh, surprising things that's come out of the netball instance is the fact that the Australian Netball Players Association was currently in conversations with Netball Australia about a pay rise for its players. Now, I'm actually a staunch advocate for player player rights and players being um, you know b- being uh, looked after in terms of the fact that if, if they don't play, there's no sport to sell. But Netball Australia have had some hugely well-publicised financial challenges for a long, long time. And, you know, we've seen in, in rugby, for example, um, you know, Wallabies and Super Rugby players have made enormous sacrifice to keep the game going and uh, reduced Wallaby match payments and, and, and really, uh, you know, all took pay cuts across the board during COVID to keep that sport going. So to hear that Netball Australia throughout this is, is pushing for a pay rise through its players' association and then through the actions of the players. And I'm not downplaying uh, you know, the, the potential hurt for that player involved, but we've got to look to find a solution here because a $15 million partnership for that sport over four years, that was a golden ticket to survival. Yeah. Um, you know, and I don't want to go the early crow here, but at the same time, I think you know, for, for netball, to be able to try and find um, you know, a, an alternate source for that revenue is, is really unlikely. And I think as well, when you talk about you know, Pat Cummins and hypocrisy in India and the like, I think the reality is that um, you know that that could be applied across all athletes in all sports. There's mm. so many ways that they've got to be really, really careful about how strong a stance they, yeah. they want to take. I mean, ultimately, short of retirement, short of a David Pocock chaining yourself to a tractor, 
I don't know how you can really live uh, the values to the full extreme. Well, I mean, you've only got to go and have a look at what China are doing to the minority um, Uyghur Muslims over there. And, and, you know, basically, yeah, absolutely just the worst of human rights going on. But, you know, these people more than happy to buy goods made out of China, more than happy to wear clothes made in China. You've only got to have a look at the foreign policy of the United States, but they seem to, you know, yeah, pick and choose their arguments with not a lot of consistency in it. Look, anyway, I'm going to take some calls on this after 8 o'clock. Uh, look, um, Australia clearly getting thrashed in that first T20 game by New Zealand. Great victory for us. Tonight you take on Sri Lanka. Um, how much psychological damage was done to this Australian cricket team? Can they bounce back? Can they win four games on the trot? Well, look, the good thing about the result against New Zealand was it actually made the rest of us here in Australia realise the competition was on. Generally, we, we focus on test cricket and, you know, the more premium, less uh, slap and giggle elements of cricket. So it, it actually reminded us the T20 World Cup had started. So, look, great for you guys to get the monkey off your back. I think it was your, your first win of significance in Australia for about 10 years. So 2011. 2011, you Pete, you can remind us of it. That's it, that's it. No, but look, in, in all seriousness, um, I was talking about a, an early crow. Well, here, here's an early crow now. Um, the earliest of early crows, Australia will not only uh, thrash Sri Lanka tonight, we will win four games on the trot. We'll be the most dangerous team heading into the quarterfinals. Um, yeah, I, I think clearly there's some, some challenges in terms of finding our best 11 and getting them on the field. But at the same time, I think, um, yeah, we've got some of the most destructive cricketers in the world. And Someone like a Cameron Green, who you guys haven't seen a lot of yet, he has the potential to be the best cricketer on the planet within the next two years. And, um, you know, guys like Glenn Maxwell, David Warner, um, Adam Zampa is probably the best spin bowler in, in international T20 when he gets going. And that's not even talking about Pat Cummins, Mitchell Stark. Uh, the list goes on. So, look, there's there's definitely some disappointment about the way we started. You, you guys were fantastic. Hey, hey, Everything that you needed to do, you did. That, that, um, but, that, but we're that, still really confident. That, that was a wonderful little narrative. Have you been smoking something tonight, mate? Because that was, that was, boy, that was glowing. That was a glowing endorsement of the Australian cricket team, mate. We don't quite see it the same way over here, mate. But um, I love your confidence. Well, I think the beep machine will be getting a heavy workout over there for all the abuse, you know, improper things that I'm not allowed to say on New Zealand Airways. But no, look, you guys were fantastic. You were really, really good. I loved the selection of Finn Allen, a guy we haven't seen a lot of, and gave you the opportunity to come out and take it to our guys. The execution was outstanding. Jimmy Neesham hasn't really done that well against Australia in the past, but, but he looked really, really up for it. And then... Uh, yeah, some pretty atrocious decision-making with the bat for us. So I saw the guy said afterwards, afterwards Mitch Marsh, uh, he, he, he said, well, what a great opportunity because now, um, you know, everyone's against us and we get to play the underdog role. So I thought that was a very clever uh, way to pivot to, to a fresh approach. But, yeah. Um, yeah, we've got faith in our team. We, we still think that we can turn it around from here. Hey, Pete, I've only got a couple of minutes. Uh, just quickly, has the Rugby League World Cup taken off yet or do we need to get to a sort of a, a more serious uh, part in this competition for it to really sort of capture the imagination? Oh, look, I think it's taken off in, in ways, right? So, um, you know, we, we've got teams like Jamaica have captured a little bit of imagination because of the unlikely nature of them. Uh, Lebanon getting a lot of press over here with Michael Checker leading them and Guys like Adam Dewey, you know, you look at the Irish team with Luke Keary, um, you know, controlling the game for them. So there's, there's nice little elements in media. There's, there's some interesting little interviews, um, a lot of focus on, on both the Tonga and the Samoan teams, positive for Tonga, less so for Samoa after their capitulation against the English. So, yes, there's interest. A lot of it's uh, intrinsically linked to the, the big-name players who 
didn't get selected for Australia or New Zealand and are playing for those smaller teams. But obviously, you know, there's a lot of excitement about when things get to that quarterfinal stage and, and really heat up. And, you know, if I say we're, we're positive and, and confident about the cricket, we're certainly not as bullish about the, the Rugby League World Cup. There's a great deal of respect for, for Tonga, for New Zealand, for England, um, and, and a real sense that this is going to be the greatest iteration of that competition and the most even with the most genuine winning chances that we've ever seen. Pete Fairbairn, I've got to say, mate, you're um, almost probably the most intelligent Australian I've ever spoken to and um, in a very platonic way, mate. Um, you're a beautiful man. Thank you. <laughs> mate, oh, I'm, I'm sure uh, you, any of your listeners who've crossed paths with me would say it's the eight years I've spent living in your beautiful country that uh, have maybe you know, heavily shaped my, uh, my approach and toned down some of my Aussieisms, but no, I love getting on and having a chat with, with you guys across the ditch and especially at the moment with a couple of major international tournaments and, and the Rugby World Cup, let's not forget, um, yeah, we're taking on England in the Women's Rugby World Cup this weekend and looking forward to that one too. Yeah, well done. Hey, lovely, Pete. Thank you. Really appreciate it out of there, out of West Australia, Peter Fairburn.